and we are live on the internet. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fantastic. You weren't just talking for like ten minutes. So. I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this is you're Jen. I'm Jen. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> and you were an ISR instructor, and you teach CPR. Yes. And all kinds of other awesome things. Lots of things. Lots of things. Lots of things. Mostly just CPR. Mostly CPR yeah, and yeah, ISR. Yeah. <laughs> And we've, we've done a lot already with a bunch of different ISR instructors, which is super cool. Um, and we're here, by the way. We are at Jen's place in, yeah. in Boca Raton. At, what's the address? 1000? Uh, Northwest First Avenue, Specialized Swim and Wellness. Very nice. Yeah. And they had a pool fence uh, blocking the entry, which was really cool. I was excited about that. Um, and you teach ISR here, right? I do. I do teach ISR here full time. Nice. Awesome. And it's cool. They've got like a warehouse. We should do like a tour at the end, but it's, it's a neat setup. They, they've taken like this warehouse, kind of like where we make pool fence, literally. And they stuck an awesome above ground pool in the middle and they made it all pretty. You've got the little sitting area with the table yeah. and the chairs. And the play area for the kids. Right. You know, keep them busy, siblings. Exactly. Yeah. And you're doing the watermelon drive today? We are doing our watermelons for water safety. Come by and see us. Nice. Our little stand out there. So, so for anybody who doesn't know, what is the deal with that? Watermelons for water safety is um, all the proceeds go to the Live Like Jake Foundation. If you're not familiar with the Live Like Jake Foundation, Carrie Morrison started it, I think, four years ago. Maybe five, and uh, after her son Jake lost his life, and uh, she turned her pain into a passion, and now provides swim lessons to anyone who can't afford it, and helps moms and families after um, an event of a drowning to go through it with financial expenses and everything. I love them. They're awesome. She helps us give away pool fences too. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. So we're hoping that the like lifesaver pool fence becomes the other like prong with ISR lessons. Yeah. So if someone experiences a fatal or non-fatal drowning, they get lessons and, and a pool fence. fence yeah. yeah, at the same time. A yeah. team, you know, it has to be that way. Right, because layers of protection. It's exactly, it needs to be that way. And layers of protection are, is so important and, you know, because they do break down and it happens 21 seconds. That's all it takes for a child to drown. Mm -hmm. and, that's picking up your phone and checking your Facebook for just a scroll right, or yeah. picking up a phone call or going to the bathroom. Yeah. You know? Or, or sneezing a few times. Sneezing a few times. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. If they slip your supervision, it's that quickly that it happens, you know? And there's no sound. It's not like what we see in the movies. Help me. The Baywatch drowning. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. It's very silent and the kids just don't move much, you know? It's... Gary. Yeah, I always tell people that if you have a story, and I've said this way too many times, and I'm sorry for people have heard this thousand times, but if you, you know, if you have a story about your kid drawing a crayon mural on the wall, or cutting all of her hair off, or you know, covering himself in peanut butter, yeah. th there was a lapse in supervision, and if you didn't have a pool fence or locks or alarms or ISR lessons, then you just got lucky they didn't go outside. Absolutely, that's yeah. a really good point. I yeah. mean, I can't tell you how many times I found my boys hiding in a closet with a marker from head to toe. Right. And I'm like, what's going on in exactly. here? Yeah. Imagine, that's true. Yeah, yeah, everybody has a hilarious story of yeah. kids getting into something crazy. Yeah, and it's a way to connect too, because right. when you think of it that way, it's, right. I remember that happened to me. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no Because everyone's like, oh, I always watch my kids, I'm good. Yeah. Like, do you? Like, you, you never found your kid covered in toilet paper and flour? I, absolutely. Like, yeah. they've never gotten into anything that you don't right. remember. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and, and you just got lucky they chose peanut butter that day and not... Stepping outside. Yeah. You know? 100%. Oh, yeah. wow, that's a good way to put it. I'm going to start using that. There you go. See? Every day. And um, the uh, layers of protection, uh, I have to say this as often as possible, you know that we coined the term layers of protection in 1987. Oh, really? 
summertime fun, year-round danger, uh -huh. using layers of protection to protect your pool. That's and, cool. And that's where the phrase came from. Oh, wow. Yeah. You use it religiously. Everyone does. It caught on. Yeah. So that is super cool. I right? like that. Yeah. yeah I get excited when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I use it in everything. Even in my CPR classes, I'm always talking about the layers of protection and how they do break down. And although you get a lot of people that say, oh, that's, that won't happen to me. I, I fall, I'm around my child mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, it's really not realistic. We're, no. we're not around our children at all times. And 21 seconds is fast. It's fast. And... Yeah. You know, you, you have the stats where most kids who drowned weren't near the pool. Right. You know, um, there was one study that said 77% were lasting five minutes before yeah. being found in the pool. Yeah. And then you have other studies that show that a lot were in their room sleeping. Exactly. So you, so you can imagine a scenario, you go check on your kid. Right. You leave for five minutes. You know, they're in their room sleeping. They should be good for hours. And they climb hours. off, yeah. yeah. So, you know, no parent could possibly prevent, I mean, it's impossible to prevent that. You know? We can't. We're not perfect. And it's okay not to be perfect. And there's only one of you, or two, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like one and a half, probably. You know, one and a half. <laughs> yeah, if it's you and a dad, it's probably like one Yeah, you know, big kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got my big kid, too. You, you gotta watch him as well, you know? I do gotta watch him. He's a little, you know. <laughs> Make sure he doesn't cover himself in marker or peanut butter. Join the kids in the closet. Right, you know? exactly. Hey guys. <laughs> Why are you covered in marker, too? That's What's going on? <laughs> So, what is CPR? CPR is um, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, and that's to jumpstart the heart. So, when someone's heart is stopped, they're in cardiac arrest. They're no longer breathing, there's no heartbeat, and at that point, we need to get that heartbeat going. And what we can do as bystanders is immediately perform the CPR on them. Um, do you want me to demonstrate? I, that would be cool if you could. Why not? Sure, go for it. Person or child in the water um, 
I'm going to get five of those thrusts. I'm out of the water. When I give my compressions too, it's really important to allow the chest to completely recoil in between each compression. So I do a slight bounce off of the chest where it's just skin to skin contact. I'm not applying pressure the whole time because then again, we're restricting that blood flow. And we want as much blood flow going through that body as we possibly can give them. So when I'm going down on the compression one, in between, I'm not pushing down at all. It's just skin to skin contact. When you're giving your infant your breaths, so you're going to tilt the head back, and you're going to cover the nose and the mouth with your mouth. You're never going to pinch an infant's nose. Their nose is so close to their little lips that um, pinching and getting a good seal isn't very effective. So you want to make sure you cover the nose and the mouth with your mouth. Um, now, an important thing in this video is I'm giving her compressions on my legs, but each time I push down, she's bouncing off of my legs because she needs that hard surface. So I'm not actually getting as far as I need to go because she's on my thighs. So keep in mind that we need that nice, hard, flat surface. Very cool. And the same number is 30 and then five and then Yeah, yeah, it's 30 compressions, two breaths. You do a cycle of five before you check for the pulse again. Infants are a little different though. So say I found my infant on the ground. Um, for me, when I see an infant on the ground, their hearts are monitored in utero almost the whole time. They're, uh, anytime they get an ultrasound, they're checked. The heartbeat is checked at every doctor's appointment. So if there's something wrong with an infant's heart, we typically know. Um, so if I find an infant on the floor unconscious, the first thing that's going to come to my mind is this infant has a complete, completely healthy heart as far as we know. So I'm going to assume choking because infants put everything in their mouth. So when I would give the breath, I would just check to see if the object was in there to pull it out. But I'm going to reenact the whole thing so we know. So baby, baby, are you okay? At this time, I'm slapping on the bottom of the foot because 
their bottom of their foot is the most sensitive area. So baby, baby, are you okay? Is it really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. It's cool, right? The head and the foot. Head and the foot. Uh-huh. And then uh, I don't, I'm going to look for breathing and the alertness. I don't see any breathing or alertness. I'm going to check for the pulse. The pulse is in the brachial pulse, which is right below their armpit. If you're not able to locate it within 10 seconds, um, begin your compressions. Uh, natural nipple line to the center of the chest, 30 compressions, two inches deep within the infant. Tilt the head back, blow into the nose and the mouth with your mouth, two breaths, and back to your compressions. And you're going to complete that cycle five times before you check for your pulse again. We saved her. <laughs> she made it. She made it. Um, and if they are choking, um, what's the best way to get something out? Oh, choking is, is pretty easy to relieve, believe it or not. Yeah. In our, I feel like in our minds, we are a little scared if we were to choke that, oh no, the worst is going to happen. But if you know how to effectively give the Heimlich maneuver to an adult or a child in this infant posture I'm going to show you, the object will come right out. It's incredible. My husband made me laugh and I, I inhaled a chip. And I was choking. This happened three weeks ago. I couldn't believe it really happened to me. <laughs> and I go running through the house and I'm holding myself like this. And he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, <sighs> and he goes right behind me and gives me the Heimlich maneuver. And sure enough, it came out with the first push he did within my chest. The object came out. Wow. And it's so insane because people in an event of choking, um, this is the universal sign for choking. Right. And we wouldn't think like we're going to grab our necks when we're choking. First, I don't I was in such a panic that I didn't even think, think about doing the universal sign. Yeah. I'm like, ah. and sure, and sure enough, I was choking and he got it right out. Incredible. That's really cool. Incredible. Did, did you hear um, Dr. Heinlich got to do it for the first time? Oh, really? Yeah, he was like in a nursing home. Uh-huh. And the woman next to him was eating and started choking. And 90 something year old Dr. Heimlich got up and did it. Really? And it worked. And he was like, that's the first time I've actually ever done it. Like, that's how me and my husband felt when yeah. we did it. We're like, he's like, that was so cool. Yeah. yeah. Did this really just happen? <laughs> and the old lady was like, I got the Heimlich by Dr. Heimlich. Oh, how cool is yeah, that? Right. That's super cool. Yeah. By the man himself. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and you know, he thought it was cool that he got to do it in his lifetime. Yeah, right. I mean, I was scared, but I'm kind of. It was kind of cool that I felt it because I feel like I'm going to be able to better explain that in my classes. Right, absolutely. You know? So what would you do for the baby? What are you calling by the way? This is Annie. 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 Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, for your infant when they're choking, uh, it's a little different posture than the typical Heimlich maneuver going behind them, fist in the, uh, above the belly button. You're going to take your hand and this part of the, uh, this forearm part is going to be your hard surface. You're going to tilt the head back. Notice that I have the head back. It's not pushed down here because we need to open that airway in order to get that object out. Now, I don't rest my hands on the shoulder or push down on the uh, neck area at all, but hands tilted back. I'm going to apply five upward back blows. One, two, three, four, five. Going to cradle the head. Tilt the baby over to this arm. Check for the object. If I can pinch the object and pull it out, I will do so. But I will never go fishing inside of a child's mouth to get any object out because you could possibly push it back further in. Um, you do not want to ever go fishing, do a blind finger sweep in an infant's mouth. I'm going to check for the object. If I can take my two fingers, pinch and pull it out, I will do so. But if not, I'm just going to leave it there and allow this to help. Then I'm going to do <clears throat> five abdominal thrusts. One, two, three, four, five. Check for the object. I don't see the object. And I'm going to repeat this cycle. One, two, three, four, five. And 
until the object comes completely out. Now, I like to say all the time in my classes that when we're giving um, back blows, they're not back pats. We're not trying to burp. Yeah, I was going to say, you are you're seriously smacking. We, we are. It, have you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Yes. All right. So we're initially knocking the wind out of them. The um, What we're doing is we're hitting hard enough to get to that little bit of air that's left in the diaphragm that's going to uh, forcefully push that object out. So we don't want to pat on the back or be gentle. We're, we're being forceful when we're holding them this way. And, and a nice, good back blow. Get like a UFC punch to the back. Oh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. There is, a, UFC is intense, right, but yeah. basically. But yeah. <laughs> so this is selfish. Uh, what if somebody's in a wheelchair? Oh, and for the high opener? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. But you know what um, I would do is I would just go in front of you. Yeah. And I would push as hard as I possibly can because, you know, some wheelchairs have this part where you can make the back stiff if yep. you are choking. So um, you would have that there and I would uh, apply my abdominal thrust as hard from as front. from the front as hard as I possibly Rather could. than trying to like reach around behind me or yeah, because that, forward, you know, well, tough. You know what? In my choking experience the other day, uh, the week ago, uh, I, I, you don't have that much time. Like yeah. I couldn't breathe and it hurt and I want to save you before you get to that point of pain or passing out, right. so I'm gonna just go in front of you because I don't want to waste that time. Yeah. I've heard people talk about uh, administering to themselves. Like if you're alone, you don't yeah. Need to. If if you are alone, you can um, take the edge of a uh, countertop and wedge it into your chest, and you're gonna do the. I'll, I'll demonstrate really quick. This is a short chair, so I should be able to do it. All right. So if I were choking it alone. Yeah, we don't want anything squishy that you're going to bounce off of. We need something hard and forceful that's going to allow that object to push up. Right, because I mean, I think the idea over and over again is you've got to be really forceful. You have to be forceful. Right. It, it really is um, the harder the better with the CPR and even the Heimlich maneuver. We are initially knocking the wind out of the person when they're choking to get that object to come out. Is there an age that's too young for CPR? Uh, no. No. no, no age is too young for CPR because your infant is anyone from 0 to 12 months. Right. And the, the only thing you would do is just use your two fingers then. When do you transition from using two fingers to we'll call it adult CPR or toddler CPR? Okay, well they have uh, toddler CPR, or child CPR would be anyone from one year old to puberty. Okay. Um, but it is a personal preference. Um, for me, when I had to give CPR, I used two hands, and that's totally okay. She was only two, two and a half, almost three. Um, I used two hands when I gave her CPR, and that, and that's okay too, because for me, say it was a man. When a man was giving CPR to a child, they have the strength and the force to effectively give um, their 30 impressions with the one hand. For me, I would run out of um, energy and be tired, so I'm just going to always start with the two hands on a child. But a man um, would most likely always use the one hand, and it's, it's the same. Fingers are pointed up in the air, only the heel of the hand is pushed down on the sternum, and you're going your two, two and a half inches deep. I don't feel like I'm strong enough to go two and a half inches deep, so I'm always going to use the two hands. 
But if you have the strength to do so, you should use just the one hand for a child. And that's anyone from uh, one years old to puberty. So you go one, two, What's something about CPR that people either have a misconception of or something you want to clear up? Oh yeah, a lot of people think when they are uh, going to perform CPR on a person and they get hurt, like break a rib, they're not protected, but you are protected under the Good Samaritan Act. Okay. So um, when you do find someone on the ground, do something. Don't, don't stand around, don't be afraid, save them because you could possibly save that person's life. React right away. You saw a video here Have you, have you heard of the CPR parties? Yeah, I have heard of CPR my, parties. My, my friend, uh, Laura Metro. Oh, really? Yeah, she's on the board of the National Drug Prevention Alliance. Oh, that's cool. And, and she's super cool. And she started it because her son, Clay, um, it was initially called the Clay Foundation. Uh-huh. Uh, he drowned, and he was rescued. And some bystander who didn't know CPR did CPR. Just he did what he'd seen on TV. And, he faked it, and you know, he got medevaced to a hospital, and he took a coma, and he ended up being okay. Uh, and they think the reason he was okay is because this guy did CPR. Yeah. You know what um, is also really cool is the American Heart Association. Um, they say that the quicker that CPR started on a drowning victim, and if there's any breathing or um, alertness when the paramedics arrive to the scene, the likelihood that the person is going to walk away okay is very high. That's awesome. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So that's when he decided that, you know, even if somebody doesn't get certified, having some CPR knowledge is better than nothing. Yeah. And so she does these CPR parties. They're like Tupperware parties, but learning CPR. Yeah, that's cool. I that's love cool. it. Yeah, because you can teach the hands only, too. And right. hands only can save a drowning victim for sure. Right. And that's important. That's kind of like what Carrie and I do for the uh, CPR um, day. We do one certification class and we do two hands only ones. So okay. the community gets to come in for free to those classes and we teach them the hands only um, CPR and it's definitely can save a life. So is there a delineation between certified CPR and using the breasts and then hands only for? Hands only, There's we just don't teach the breasts. Okay. Um, because to know. Yeah, because people who aren't certified too, and this is, there are a lot of people are saying they're but the theory on that is people are spending thinking the breaths are more important than the compressions. And the compressions are by far the number one thing. Getting that blood flow is so important. Um, our blood flow stores uh, oxygen in it. So when we're pushing down on the compressions, the body's getting a little bit of oxygen too. Um, but people get obsessed and focus on the breaths and they don't go right back to their CPR. So it's better just to teach those um, people that are not taking the certification class just the hands only so they're not fixated on giving them the breaths. Gotcha. And if someone wants to become certified, where do they go? What do they do? Oh, well, you can go to the American Heart Association's website and you can type in your zip code and it'll tell you all of the classes that are available in your area. Gotcha. Yeah. Does anybody ask any questions? Oh, no, but that, Natalie says, hey, hey she was awesome. awesome. Hey, Natalie! <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you, um, and I, I think we saved it to the end, it's close enough to the end. Um, you had to give CPR once, right? I did. I, I did have to give CPR. Um, uh, four years ago, I was at a pool party with um, my husband and my 
children, and um, I was sitting on a sun shelf, a huge sun shelf. This pool had a beautiful sun shelf. And what is a sun shelf? A sun shelf is uh, in, right before the steps, they have that shallow end of the pool. Okay. Um, and it was a big area, so people probably felt confident in that area. Even me, I was there with my 14-month-old, and he was walking up and down the little sun shelf area playing, and then all of a sudden I saw a mom scanning the pool, and me being a mom, I know that we have that uh, look in our face when something's wrong. Right. And we scan the pool and we're looking, uh, she's looking and I'm like, what's she looking for? And I started looking and that's where about this far away from me, maybe a little bit further, maybe the uh, where the picture is, was her um, two-year-old daughter um, in the water, lifeless, not moving. And um, it, I immediately reacted, mom and I jumped in immediately, we both grabbed an arm and I put her down on um, I wasn't confident in my CPR training. That's something that is really important to me that I teach in my classes. And for anyone that doesn't feel confident in their CPR, that you become confident in it. Um, I put her down on the floor hoping that someone in this huge group of people, Eric, there were so many, there were two pool parties going on at this party with um, two pool parties with all the community residents there. So it was a packed pool. It was so many people. You're thinking somebody's got to be a doctor, a nurse, Some, or a yes, someone's got to be able. I'm just a preschool teacher, and I was not confident in my CPR training. Um, so I put her down on the floor, and not one person began CPR. I mean, everyone swarmed her, and they were banging on her back, uh, sticking their fingers down her throat. No one began CPR, and at that point, I remember one thing in my, I was taught in my class, and that was something is better than nothing. And I knew where my hands were supposed to be placed, and I went to her, and I moved everyone as much as I could, and I began the compressions. And it's crazy, because we're all in a state of panic at that point, where everyone wants to help and react. Um, and there were, there were a couple people there that, while I was giving compressions, were still trying to pick her up and bang on her back. And I kept saying, no, it's okay, we gotta get the blood flowing, give compressions, and they didn't stop. Uh, someone had to move them from stopping, but they were reacting the way they thought, you know, and it's, it's good. As long as you're reacting, you're getting something done. So I am happy that they were reacting because they thought that was right. Um, but for future, we wanna make sure the CPR is given right away and no, no lifting up, anything like that. Um, so I went over there and I started giving the compressions and immediately foam and fluid started expelling from her mouth and uh, we tilted her head. I didn't tilt her head to the side. There was a gentleman there who, who tilted her head to the side and he held the, the head to the side so the vomit would let go, uh, would come out. And then um, when he would let go, her head would go right back to center. Um, so that's why I said earlier that when we were giving CPR, don't worry about that head being to the side because it's not gonna stay there. And that's not what you need to worry about. You need to worry about those compressions. Um, so I gave her the compressions. After three sets of compressions, I made another mistake that I don't want anyone to make. Um, her, her color had come back and she, to me, she looked like she was alive. And the hospital, we have the hospital so close by. I looked at mom and I was like, let's go to the hospital. I don't see the paramedics. Um, I picked her up in my arms, mom was gonna drive, and I was gonna keep giving compressions in the car, and um, elevating her, she died again in my arms. Um, so I had to put her back down on the floor and give her three more sets of compressions, and by that time, she actually woke up and was looking for her mommy, and 
we knew she was awake then. And I look at mom again, and I'm like, we need to get to the hospital. And uh, we're running to my van again. And uh, as we're running to the van, guess who's waiting for us at the pool? Paramedics. The paramedics. Do not move them. Someone from the pool ran to us where we were, and they said, the paramedics is at the pool. Mom and I started running back to the pool, and the paramedics were running to where we were. So that could have, in those moments, she walked away completely unharmed, thank God. But in those moments, um, had it been something more serious, those moments would have been valuable. Right. And if I could go back in time, I would have never moved her. I would have waited there. And, and by the time you're ready to pick them up and run to the hospital, the paramedics may be two minutes away. Just wait the two minutes. Yeah, and then they can perform monitor while they're in the, I mean. Exactly. Their beds are made for compressions. Um, and they can So doing that running around is something that I wish I could go back and change. Is there anything you want people to know that I forgot to ask you or didn't talk about? Um, yeah, I want um, people to not be afraid to react. Um, even watching short videos on YouTube, you don't have to be certified to save a life. You can, you can get the knowledge, and if you're in an event like this, react. Don't be afraid. Um, freezing up doesn't isn't going to help us. It's in, in our minds, too, we naturally freeze up. I froze up. I totally understand that that can happen. But pull yourself out of it and react because you could be possibly saving a family member. Yeah, like you did. Yeah, you know, and I never thought. I was just a preschool teacher at a pool party with my kid. And um, never would have thought that would have ever happened. I'm just thankful that she made it and is completely healthy now. How old is she now? Uh, seven. Oh, wow. Three. Six. Six. Uh, have you seen her since? I have not seen her. I saw her during her swim lessons because after she drowned, this is a good thing to know, after the drowning, one month later, she was in ISR swim lessons. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she soared and did amazing. So I did get to watch one of her swim lessons, which is so cool to see that, that that happened, you know, because ISR is... Amazing. It, Were you doing ISR at the time? I wasn't. Um, it's a, and it's an amazing story because all of the local ISR instructors, um, Chrissy, Liz, Aaron, Sam, Natalie. Stacy. Stacy. I don't think Stacy because she's not local. Okay. But they reached out to me and they said, in order, in honor of your heroic act, we want to provide you with swim lessons. And I was like, okay, all right, well, that's amazing. I would love to do this. And... Um, I signed them up with the swim lessons and watching, I couldn't go to the pool anymore after that happened. Right. I wasn't comfortable, the anxiety was terrible. So being around any body of water, even with my own kids, just wasn't reality. And ISO freed me of that because seeing my boys be able to not only swim, but save themselves if that were to ever happen, just took that extra bit of paranoia away from me because we're, we're on the water all the time. My dad's a sailor and we're always on the ocean. And sailing anymore. So after ISR lessons and watching my kids repeatedly be able to save themselves, um, it was good. It was Everything was back to normal. I was freed of that anxiety that came with that drama. That's cool. My dad sailed too, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And my grandfather was a shrimp boat captain. Oh, really? Yeah, I love cool. sailing. It's a long line of sailing. It's amazing. We have a beautiful pier here. Um, and uh, Not pier. Gosh. A reef right in front of the pier. And the kids love going out there. It's so cute. You should see my little five-year-old snorkeling out there. It's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. And he rolls around floats and he's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime a big wave will come and crash him, um, you'll see him under the wave trying to
It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's quite a swimmer. That's fantastic. So how can people find you, sign up with you, give you money? Oh, well, uh, you can find me at Ready, Set, Save on my Facebook page, ReadySetSave.org, or Specialized Swim and Wellness. I'm always here. Awesome. And if they can, um, like I said, there's a, a facility here for teaching swim lessons at ISR. Yeah. And obviously CPR as well. Yes, I teach CPR right in this room. Right, that's awesome. And, and the watermelon thing, you can come by today and get their, what do you yes. sell? Are you selling watermelon cupcakes and actual uh, watermelons? I made funfetti cupcakes. That's amazing. And actual watermelons. So they can come get cupcakes, lemonade, and watermelon. And I'm guessing that the reason that's watermelon is because watermelons float. They do float. Yes. Yes, watermelons, oh, the thing watermelons and ISR students have in common <laughs> is they both float. Perfect. It's amazing. Do watermelons roll over though? Do they roll over? I don't know, they could. I mean, if they could if they were hit by a big enough wave. Right, exactly. You know? And someone taught them. Yeah, yeah, we could teach our little watermelons. Just roll over, baby. <laughs> All right, cool. Anything else? Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric, for having me. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Nice yeah. seeing you.